Welcome to the Convergence Church Podcast. Our vision at Convergence is to encounter Jesus and transform cities with His power and His love. If you'd like more information about Convergence and how to plug in, you can visit convergencechurch.com. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy this message. Our vision here at Convergence is encountering Jesus and transforming cities with his power and his love. Uh, If you're a guest here, we want to welcome you. My name's Andrew Fish. My wife, Emily, and I are the senior pastors here at Convergence Church. We're really honored that you're with us. Um, If you're here and you're like, man, that worship was an hour long, like, what are you guys doing? It's because we believe that we are created to worship. We're created for worship. Me being up here is great. I love talking. I love preaching. But to be honest, in my opinion, the best part of the service already happened. And it's continuing to happen, as Jason said, as we worship. But I do have a word this morning. This morning, I, um, man, I was in the sanctuary Thursday. We didn't have house of prayer, and so I was in here by myself. It was just empty. Nobody's in here, and I'm just worshiping. I've got the music probably entirely too loud. I'm blasting worship music, pacing back and forth on the front. Aaron's like, yeah, because she, she popped in to do something. And I was like, man, Aaron probably thinks I'm a little crazy over here. But I'm just worshiping the Lord. And I'm up here, and I'm preparing for today, and I'm asking the Lord what he wants to do, and I'm just worshiping. And I had a message prepared. It's a message that I've wanted to preach for a while. And then the Lord was like, no. And as I was worshiping, the Lord dropped these two words, divine communion. And I just began to just process this with him. Lord, what do you mean? What is divine communion? And I began to have this encounter with the Lord where the Lord was talking to me about what it means to walk in divine communion with the Lord. And so this morning, I want to bring that word. It's a word that um, is fresh to me. I'm kind of just unpacking it, so we get to unpack it together. Um, But listen, I just believe that the Lord wants to pour out more this morning. The Lord wants to pour out more. And the more doesn't have to be about big stadiums or large church services. Like the more isn't how big but how deep. Sometimes we think of these massive events and the Lord's like, no, I care more about deep. I care less about influence and more about deepening intimacy. And so this is one of the calls of this house. If you're here, I want to just give you one of the calls of this house is that we actually don't care how well-known we are on the earth. I really don't care. I don't care if we have 1,000 YouTube subscribers or 100,000. I don't care because all I care about is intimacy with him. I care about faithfulness. I care about being obedient. And the Lord's been processing this. Listen, it's easy to get into the influence game. It's easy to get into the reputation game. It's easy to pit yourself up against things, churches, pastors, other people that it looks like they've got their life together more than you do. And I'm just here to tell you that we don't have time to get caught up in the accolades or views of what the world thinks influence is. 
So here at Convergence, we care more about intimacy over influence. I care a lot less about being influential for the Lord as I do being intimate with him. And we have a culture that's starving for influence. They're desiring it. They're creating content for it. They're doing things in order to gain influence. And in this hour, the Lord is coming in and he's like, hey, 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 hey. I care more about just being with you. And listen, the only way that you're going to be truly influential for the Lord is if you're intimate with him. Because if you have the opposite, you're going to be influential for the wrong reasons and you're going to be influential for something that's not actually God. So what do we care about? We care about not just doing for the Lord, but being with the Lord. It's why when we do worship, we're not just singing songs, we're singing to him. Blessing and honor. Like when we're singing that, what are we doing? We're declaring to the Lord that he is blessing, that he is honor, that he is worthy, that he is holy, that he's the only one that can open the scroll. And as we do this, we don't care what anybody else in the room thinks. We don't care if it's a song that you know or a song that you don't know. What we care about is that we're being intimate with him. And I'll be honest, even in this room this morning, I love you all, but I don't care what happens this morning except that I am plugged in to him. It's all I care about. At the end of the day, everything that your heart longs for is found in communion with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to, I want to just talk a little bit about divine communion, and then we're going to worship to end this morning, but... The greatest call of believers is to commune with God. From the beginning of creation, you were created to walk with God. You were created to desire intimacy. You were created for relationship. You were created for connection. You were created for fellowship. You were created for abiding. And that's why when you don't have it and you're not in relationship with Jesus, you're starving for it everywhere else. Because you're looking to get something that can only be found in the Lord and you're looking in all these other places for it. And that's why we have a world that's starving for attention. They're starving for influence. They're starving for fellowship. And they're finding it in other people. And they're finding it in, in, in other things that don't satisfy. They're finding it in addictions. They're finding this false gratification and false desire, which is really supposed to be put in the Lord. It's what, it's what we've done ever since Genesis chapter 3, the fall. Are you tracking with me? All right, so 2 Corinthians 13, 14. I'm going to give a lot of scripture this morning. We've been in the chapter of Galatians, which has been amazing. Um, And I'm not going to lie to you this morning. I'm going to skip around all over the place. Okay, so we've been in one place, but now we're about to go all over the Bible. So if you want to quickly turn with me and practice your sword drills, that'd be fun. Um, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14 says this. This is the King James Version. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, this is Paul writing, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all, amen. 
All right, so this word communion, I was drawn to this word. This word is the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia. Okay, what does the word koinonia mean? It means this, fellowship, association, intimacy, and joint participation. So the fellowship, many translations say fellowship, okay? The fellowship, the association, the intimacy, and the joint participation of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Isn't that powerful? And then I looked up the dictionary definition for communion, and this is what it says. The exchange of intimate thoughts and feelings. So when you're entering into communion with someone, it's not just this like passing, let's have some, you know, some little just, how are you doing? You know, I'm busy. How are you? And we just kind of have this small talk, right? That's not what communion means. Communion, we're talking about fellowship with someone. We're talking about intimacy. We're talking about expressing the personal intimate thoughts and feelings, the way that I'm wired, the things that I like to do, what I love to do, what I don't like to do, what I, what I love uh, to look at, all these different things. It's the communion with the Holy Spirit. It's the fact that He knows me and I get to know Him. Okay? It's communion. I can remember so many stories in my life of just walking with the Lord. I remember this was back in 2011. I walked into this room having not really ever felt like I'd really heard the voice of the Lord. And I was 21 at this time. Like, I'm like, I know I probably have, but I just didn't really think I did. So I walk into this room, and we begin to have ministry school at the time. And I remember being in a time of worship, and all of a sudden, knowing without a shadow of a doubt, that's his voice. That's his voice. And that one moment marked my life and changed the whole course of my life. I was signed up for classes at the University of North Texas. I had already started, like, I had books in my Amazon cart. Like, I was ready. And the Lord was like, nope. This is what I have for you. And it marked my life to the point that the re part of the reason I'm standing here today in full-time ministry is because of that moment when the Lord spoke to me. What's my point? My point is everything in your life changes when you're in divine communion. Everything that you long for is fulfilled in the place of divine communion. And I could tell you so many stories of encounter. I could tell you when I was sitting right over there, probably like the third row over there, and I was listening to my dad preach on a Sunday morning, and the Lord hit me, and he said, your, one of your life verses is Jeremiah 29, 13, which says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. I can remember being in a worship conference here and being at the back wall by the sound booth and being plastered to the back of the wall, unable to move under the weight of his glory. I can remember seeing one of my first healings when I prayed for somebody and they got healed in Brazil. I couldn't even speak the language and through an interpreter I found out that a boy's ankle had been healed. I remember when I was sitting in my hairdresser's 
the place where she works and praying for her, not feeling anything, only to find out months later that her brain aneurysm had been healed. I remember times when I was sitting up upstairs in this back area, just unable to move because of worship, because what's happening is there's a drawing to divine communion, and when you're in that place with the Lord, nothing else matters, and the weight of his glory settles upon you because he's in you and he's resting on you. Revelation 1 verse 6 says, And he made us into a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. Woo! That's good. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him, so it is to be. Amen. And I want you to see that he made you into a kingdom. He made you a priest. You were created for intimacy. The ache of humanity is for divine communion. And I just want to walk very, very quickly. I want to take like 10 minutes and I want to walk through this just very, very quickly. God's desire to be with his people. So from the very beginning, Genesis, I'm in Genesis, all right? We see in Genesis 3, obviously God created, yes, Genesis 1. Let's just make sure we know what we're doing, okay? God spoke and there was light. He created. So he's created. He's created man and he's created woman from man. And now we have Adam and Eve walking in the garden, yes? All right, Genesis 3, we have the fall. The serpent comes in. He tempts Eve. And then we have Adam and Eve making a decision to disrupt communion because they went their own way. But I want you to see what happens after this, okay? This is what I want to focus on. I want you to see this, verse 8, 3 verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now I want you to see something right from the bat here. This is after they've already eaten from the tree. Did you catch that? This is afterwards. God's not coming in going, I know what you've done. He's walking in the cool of the day with them, still. And he says, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees. And then the Lord called to man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I what? I hid myself. So I want you to see something here. I want you to see that sin came in and there was a disruption. But the disruption was man deciding to hide. Why did they hide? Shame. The enemy's earliest tactic is to get you to listen to lies and then attempt to get you to hide. His ultimate goal is to disrupt communion and to get you to think that God doesn't want to spend time with you that God doesn't want to talk to you, that God doesn't want to bring freedom in your life, that God doesn't care about you. So hiding, as Adam and Eve did in the garden, has the byproduct of making you feel like God isn't close or near, even though he's walking with you in the cool of the day. What's my point? It's not, it's not God, it's your perspective. 
It's the lies that the enemy is telling you. He is walking in the cool of the day. They don't want to see him because they're afraid and shame steps in. So this morning, there is no room for shame in this atmosphere. It's the earliest tactic is to get us to hide. They allowed shame, listen to this, they allowed shame to define communion instead of God. They didn't feel worthy or worth it to approach God. So the enemy's earliest goal is to get you to think that you can't be near him and that he doesn't want to be near to you and nothing could be further from the truth. So we have sin entering. We have the fall of mankind. There was a separation in the garden, but what? God had a plan. Let's fast forward. We have the Israelites They're being led by God by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, but they're still not getting to be in close proximity because his presence was so powerful that they would literally die if they got too close. Read Exodus 19. God on Mount Sinai. Like thunder, lightning, quaking, like God is all-powerful. He's almighty. And so the Israelites are afraid, right? And so, of course, we have God appointing priests. We have a high priest. And the high priest was the only one that could go before God on behalf of the people into the Holy Holy of Holies, which is the manifest presence of God. And he could only do it one time a year. Now, this should make you so thankful that you live in the new covenant. One time a year, only the high priest could walk through that court, walk into the holy place, and then walk behind the veil into what was the holy of holies, which was the manifest, awe, reverent, presence, glory, power of God, and he could only do it one time a year or else he would die. And so we have this journey that the Lord takes them on. Right, And then we have the Israelites decide, hey, we're actually not content with God leading us. We want a king. Right? 1 Samuel 8, the people refuse to listen to Samuel, and they say, no, there shall be a king over us. And Samuel's like, look, you don't know what you guys are asking for, but it's not going to be good. And so we have this journey that the Israelites go on, and we have a whole bunch of bad kings. We have a whole bunch of kings that don't know how to lead. We have a whole bunch of kings that are unhealthy, and they're not doing it with the Lord. They're walking away from the Lord and looking at other things like idols. Okay, so we have this journey that the Israelites go on. God grants their request for a king, and so instead of having God as their king, we've established man as a king. So they got a king. The most famous king in Scripture is who? David. All right, now David... I'm walking fast, so just bear with me. Okay, David was a what? A man after God's own heart. Okay, so David is a man after God's own heart. David becomes king. David walks through kingship, and in 2 Samuel 7, 14, God makes covenant with David. God makes covenant with David, and I believe that one of the reasons that God makes covenant with David is because David tapped into the true heart of God. Because he was a man after God's own heart. And David's cry was in Psalm 132. Who knows what it is? 
I will not rest. My translation says, I will not sleep or slumber until I find a resting place for the Lord. That's Psalms 132. It's one of the most powerful Psalms in the whole Bible. David's cry was to build a resting place for the Lord. God, of course, comes in and he says, because this is your cry, I am going to make your generation last forever. And ultimately, we have Jesus coming from the line of David, I believe, because David tapped into the true heart of God, which is God's desire to rest on the earth and to be in divine communion and to be closer to his people. So we have a desire for proximity. I want you to see God's desire for proximity. So a desire from the heart of God, he wanted to rest on the earth and be closer to his people. David's cry was a foreshadowing of the new operating system that my mom talked about last week. The new covenant. David's cry was a foreshadowing. David didn't know that we'd have the Holy Spirit poured out. At this time, David's just saying, hey, can we just construct a temple? Can we just construct something and have the manifest glory sit in it? Little did he know that God was going to take that temple and he was going to put it in me. Can you believe what David's thinking up in heaven right now? He's like, man, I, I'm so glad to be here. But man, what I would have longed for to live in the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So God had a plan. What was God's plan? It was John 3.16. God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only son, whom shall ever will believe, will not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes? So God gave. God gave his son. His plan involved Jesus becoming a man just like us, tempted as we are, emotions just like we have, but remaining perfect and free from sin. Again, God's desire for proximity, he, puts, he sends Jesus. He sends his son, the closest thing that he has to offer, his son to the earth. This is good news. All right, Colossians 1.13, what does it say? When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. He made us alive together with him. So Jesus comes. He's the only one able to take all of our sins on the cross, giving us eternal life in him, allowing us to be even closer. And salvation wasn't far but near. Salvation wasn't far but near. It was a man that dwelt on the earth that was fully man but fully God. The word, as it says in John 1, became flesh and dwelt among us. A man that paid the ultimate sacrifice of death, ultimately for what? There's a lot of things but ultimately, deeper communion. Everything else is, is, is 100%. Yes, he died to take away your sins. He died so that you could be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He died so that you could go to heaven. All of those are good things, but ultimately, the ultimate thing was proximity. It was intimacy. It's divine communion. He tore the veil Read Matthew 27, 
50 through 51, what does it say when Jesus died? It says the temple veil was torn in two. Why? Because no longer was there a separation. No longer was there a veil into the Holy of Holies. No longer that thing was ripped from top to bottom, and it's still ripped from top to bottom because there's 24-7 access to him. The veil is gone. Jesus then what? Ascended to the Father, and we have the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that we see in Acts 1. Acts 2. Yes? Pentecost. So through the Holy Spirit, we have intimate access at all times. The priests of old were the only ones with true access to his presence, but now every believer, someone say every, Every believer with the Holy Spirit within them has access to divine communion at all times. Okay, I know, we're covering a lot of ground. So what just happened? Jesus came, he was born, we had Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit gets poured out and we have God in us. So we have Bethlehem, God with us. We have Pentecost, God in us. And now we have God around us, he's with us, but he's in us. God with us and in us. He is as close as the air that we breathe. Another mention of the word koinonia is found in Philippians 3.10. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. He died and when we put our faith in him, we die. Not literally in the natural, but we die to ourselves and we step out of the old man and into a new man or woman in Jesus. The outworking of this is communion with him. It's dwelling with him. So through our faith in him, we can abide with him through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is teaching. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. It's John 15. If you want to just get wrecked in your quiet time, just read John 15. Just over and over again. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, this is verse 4, unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. This is the essence of the Christian life. The Christian life is not just about a ticket to heaven. The Christian life is not about filling church buildings. The Christian life is not about all of these peripheral things, influence. It's not about just reading something that sounds good. The Christian life is about intimacy, divine communion, and fellowship with the living God that created everything. And it's the fact that you don't just get to stand on the outside hoping to get in. You get to stand in the Holy of Holies because he's God with you and he's God in you. And so we abide and it is the call of the Christian life. In him, this is Ephesians 1.13. I don't this is going to be hard to read. You also, after listening, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, okay, we've believed in him. What's the outworking? We're sealed in him by the Holy Spirit. Wow. You're sealed by 
the Holy Spirit. Divine communion is not a far-off, difficult thing. It isn't something you have to spend your whole life searching for. Communion through the Holy Spirit within us is the new operating system of the new covenant. Our design was for the exchange of intimate thoughts and feelings with the God of the universe. It was to be close with him. I love Song of Solomon. It's one of those passages that you're like, well, this is a weird book in some ways, right? You're like, what, what is going on in this book, right? Solomon is writing, and he's, he's writing about love. He's, he's writing genuinely about love to a woman. But I also think there's this picture in Scripture, right, where he's writing about that, but also there's some parallels to how God feels about us. And I believe that we find one of those in Song of Solomon 7, verse 10, where Solomon makes a profound statement. He says, I am my beloved, and his desire is for me. How many of us believe that this morning? I am my beloved. You are his beloved, and his desire is for you. So I've got an illustration, okay? So we have magnets. Sorry, my daughter Adeline's blocks. But, so we have magnets, right? So we have us. We have God. This is divine communion. What happens is, though, is sometimes we flip this magnet over and we try to find divine communion in all these other places. And this is all it does. It doesn't stick. So we try to find divine communion through other people. We try to find divine communion through satisfying our desire with other things. And it's like, why isn't this working? And we spend our lives searching, running around, going in circles, trying to figure out why something is off. And God is over here, and he's near, and he's saying, hey, this is it. it, it I am attracted to you. I am my beloved, and he is mine. So we're pursuing divine community, communion. He's pursuing divine communion with us. And what we have is we have relationship, intimacy, fellowship, close association. And there are a lot of blocks that we can try to get intimacy from. And there's only one thing that will really actually satisfy, and it's God. The worship team can come up. This is what his heart longs for. And out of everything that we could be doing on this earth, listen to me, because this is important. Out of everything that we could be doing this morning, there's only one thing that really matters, and it's being with him. I love this quote by Strahan Coleman. He says, at the end of the day, everything your heart longs for is found in communion with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. He says, no one is without this divine ache. Whether they realize it or not, humanity was built to be dependent on the operating system of divine communion. And when the world becomes louder and more vitrolic, the ache for that communion only increases. 
God isn't merely a good idea or a meal ticket to an eternal banquet. He is the very essence and origin of pleasure, goodness, excitement, adventure, joy, and wonder. Not just because we find these things in what he gives us, but because we find these things in God himself. He is absolute perfect and unimaginably satisfying goodness. Being with him is rest, hydration, and freedom. You want to know what I'm going to give my life for? It's not achieving things for God. It's being with God. Because I can try to do a lot of things for God, and that's when God steps in and he says, did you really know me though? Right? Did you really know me? The point of we were created for proximity to God. We were created to walk with him in the cool of the day in the garden. We were created to not step outside of that, but to stay in divine communion because it's the only thing that will satisfy all of your desires. And it's not just the ache of humanity, it's the ache of God's heart. Divine communion is intimacy, union, fellowship, the expression of intimate thoughts and feelings between you and God. The Christian life isn't just about making it through. It isn't just about having knowledge. It isn't just about going to heaven. It isn't just about reading about him. It is about divine communion with the only real, true, majestic, holy, worthy one that we sung about for an hour. Our lives are meant to be a living sacrifice. That's Romans 12. Fully giving ourselves over. He doesn't want a bride or a church that knows a lot but isn't consecrated. He isn't just looking for people that know how to talk. Listen, I could care less how many Christian words you know. I don't care. He's not looking for people that know how to talk. He's not looking for people that know how to do the motions of Christianity. He's not looking for people that know how to say and quote all the right verses. It's about being intimate with him. His desire is intimacy, and it's the only place where you will find the oil that will sustain you for the road ahead. Divine communion is the ultimate desire of God. We ache for it. Why do you think we have the struggles we have in culture right now trying to find identity, trying to search in all these other places? Because we have an innate desire to be known, loved, and for deep connection. And let me tell you something, other people are not gonna satisfy that. Even a marriage, other people, your spouse is not gonna truly satisfy that. The only thing is him. The cure for trials in the day of trouble, persecution, suffering, isn't actually coming out on the other side. It's knowing he's with you in it. It's knowing he's with you in it. In my deepest struggle of loss, I had to grapple with the fact that if I don't see anything happen on the other end of this and I don't actually see something come out of this what really matters is that I'm satisfied by him that he's the very essence of my life and so come what may come what may my life is rooted 
in the only one that satisfies. And it doesn't matter if I see the victory I want to see. It doesn't matter if I see everything that, that I have a desire for. If I'm with him, that's what is the point. It's not just about a fix. It's about intimacy. Sometimes we come to him for a fix like a vending machine. And he's like, hey, hey, I'm not a vending machine. I will get you through it, but I'm not just a ticket to a fix. This is Holy Communion where we relate to him through the exchange of personal thoughts and feelings. He wants to know you. He knows you. And he wants to be near to you. I want us to stand. We're going to end. This morning, I'm going to have the worship team do a song. And I want you to listen to the words. And I want you to spend a moment. We're not going to have some, some big altar call. I want you to spend time right now. And I want you to just talk with the Lord. This is a moment for divine communion. There's a lot of things that we can do for the Lord. But everything that we do for him has to come from being with him. Or it's just doing and not being. It's just producing for the Lord, not being intimate with him. He cares a lot less about what you produce. And he cares a lot more about your heart being anchored. So let's just worship. We're going to worship. And I just want you, however it looks to you, I want you to spend a moment right now. Take time just to be with him. Tell him your intimate thoughts and feelings. Let him love on you. Let him come in. He is not far. He is here. He is God with and God in. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. I ask you right now that you would come into our hearts. And that you would reveal your desire to walk with us this morning in the cool of the day. That there is intimacy. He's saying, my heart aches to be close to you. Yeah, let's just sing that. If in a minute you need to go get your kids, you can just go grab them and bring them in. And we're just going to end in worship this morning. Whenever you feel led to go, you can go. But I just want to encourage you to take a moment.
you closed the distance. separation, there's no veil, there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation, there's no accusation, hey, proximity, that the God of the universe came to dwell in his son Jesus, that Jesus would die, that he would rise again, that he would ascend to the Father, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out, that through believing in him, not only do we have life, we have the deepest level of proximity. We have what David longed for in Psalm 132. We have resting place for the Lord that is, he is dwelling in us. Proximity is not far, he's not far, he's near. And this morning he's saying, you are my beloved. You are my beloved. My call for your life is just to beckon you deeper into me. My call for your life is just to beckon you deeper into me. Don't worry about dreams. Don't worry about purpose. Just sit and be with me. suffering trials the only way that we're able to stand until the end is going to be that we are our desire is just to be with him it's to be intimate with him it's to know what his thoughts are for you it's to know what he desires for you it's to know his heart it's to walk in divine communion with the living God he's not just He's not just up in heaven just waiting for us to come. He's here.
we step out of hiding. There's no need to hide. nothing more important in your life than walking with the Lord. So Lord, we just thank you for what you've done. We will spend our days with you. We will spend our days abiding in the vine knowing that we cannot bear fruit unless we're connected to the source. So Lord, I just bless deeper places of intimacy in this body at Convergence, Lord, that we are going to new places, that we are going to new depths, Lord, that we could care less how influential we are. All we care about is being intimate with you. All we care about is that you are here, that you are in proximity to your people, and that we get to walk with you. So we bless deep encounters. We bless depths of encounter that have never, that we've never tasted or seen before. And we bless what you're doing here. We bless what you're doing in this church family, Lord. Take us to new places. Take us deeper. Take us deeper. Take us to a place no amount of YouTube messages or podcasts will take us. Take us to a place that no amount of social media scrolling can take us. Take us to a place where no amount of just church attendance can take us. Take us deeper into your heart. still have time if you're still here we can we can take communion really quickly if you need to leave don't worry just really quickly let's step let's just take communion lord we thank you for your body and your blood we thank you that all morning lord that your heart's cry was for divine communion that your heart's cry was to be close with us, Lord. And we thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. We thank you for the veil being ripped in two. We thank you that you spilled, it says in Isaiah 53, that your body was pierced for our transgressions. That your blood was poured out for me. For me, it says in Hebrews that it was the joy the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. So Lord, this morning we thank you for your body and your blood. 
And we thank you for the all access that you have given us through your death, through what you paid for, the ultimate price. So we just thank you. You can go ahead and take for coming to Convergence Church. Have a great week. If you want to linger, if you need prayer, you can come up to the front. If you can have some of our staff or table group pastors just be up here for prayer if anybody needs it.